Welcome everybody to episode 11 of Shifty Perspective. This time we have Nick and Tyler, who are the directors, producers, cameramen, everything. They made a fantastic film, a documentary called Dosed. If you haven't seen it, then you definitely should check it out. And even so, this should be an interesting uh, conversation because this is really, really eye-opening, this documentary. Hey, can I hear you both? I've obviously spoke to Nick, Tyler. We uh, we got audio. Can you hear me? How are you? Loud and clear. I'm doing. I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? Yeah, doing really well. And you, Nick, you've got you guys both in the same area. You're both in Canada right now. We are both in the same city in nice. very very rainy Vancouver in Canada on you our national British holiday. Columbia, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's Canada Day today. It's Canada Day, but nobody's going to be hitting the beach because it is rainy. Mm-hmm. I see. My girlfriend's actually Canadian, and I haven't wished her a happy Canada Day, so I probably should. Are you remind me of this? Smart. Yeah. So your film, uh, it's been quite a journey for you guys, right? I mean, when did you, when, when did all this start? Because it's already released. You know, we're now in the... Um, yeah, this is a popular award-winning documentary. When did you start this journey? Yeah, yeah the, the journey started in uh, sort of middle to late 2017. And mm-hmm. it began with just like discussions about, um, you know, like doing a trip with mushrooms. And uh, some friends of mine convinced me to do uh, try mushrooms for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. And I found that it instead of like sort of all the scary uh stereotypical stuff that you hear um which i was very worried about and that's what Mm -hmm. kept me away from psychedelics my whole life um you know that it was actually a really delightful experience and uh also then the next day i didn't feel hung over as you would if you're drinking with your friends um you know i felt really good and then a few days later i saw an article on uh, the internet and it was talking about um, microdosing and how that can help with depression and make people feel better. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause like, I felt pretty good after doing mushrooms in general, like very different than partying with alcohol, as I said. Yeah. And, um, and then it was a few days after that, that coincidentally Adrienne texted me from a very low place. She had been struggling with, um, you know, severe depression, anxiety and addiction issues for, probably about 20 years. And I asked her if she'd ever tried psychedelics. And that sort of spurred our, um, you know, journey into the, the, the world of psychedelics where uh, Adrienne um, decided that she would like to try magic mushrooms to see if it would help her um, because she was in a very destructive yeah. path of using street drugs that are very dangerous, illegal, um, you, there's fentanyl in it and there's risk of overdose all the time. That's kind of how it all started for us. And how did you know her? Have you known her for a long time then? Probably about seven or eight years now. Um, yeah, just known her for a while, been friends. And um, yeah, since this journey, I'd say like, uh, like me and Nick and Adrienne, we've become real close uh, as far as like, like going through that whole process together now for, uh, you know, 
in several months of psychedelics back then and then uh, yeah. like integration and you know it's just like there's a movie being made about keep everybody's life and we're we're all involved and uh you know it's an interesting experience for sure it was heavy to be honest really really uh, really heavy i mean i've on honestly really emotional so i can only imagine how that felt to actually go through that as a process with her um, well, there was so much that you didn't even see, um, of course, because there was 400 hours of footage um, taking place over an extremely long period of time. Um, what you didn't see was like all the nights that Tyler and I were up like late, like um, worrying, trying to figure out how to make it all work and how to line everything up. Because unfortunately, these modalities that Adrienne participated in for her healing are not legally and wildly readily available. And so um, instead of just having some, some clear help from institutions and governments on how to, how to get the help she needs, uh, it was sort of like um, finding a needle in the haystack and, um, and also trying things that we weren't sure of because they're not like institutionalized. Yeah. How did you, like, obviously you had your first experience with psychedelics, so you weren't that kind of uh, into the whole psychedelic scene. How did you guys go about actually, like, researching and, and, and going down this path? Because for someone who's not done it, it must be quite a, quite a challenge well, for both of you. Yeah, um, well, I think, as we've learned, this, this also exists in a lot of cities around the world. Um, but in Vancouver, in particular, there's actually a strong psychedelic community on the okay. underground. Um, so we were lucky in that sense. And, um, you know, one of the first people that I remember speaking with, uh, and I found him through searching around and finding, uh, you know, he was on a podcast, it was James Gesso, and I, he has his own podcast as well. And he... Um, you know, just gave, gave us enough information to sort of uh, help set us out on, I guess, uh, a positive and, and, you know, careful and safe trajectory. Um, cool. And, uh, and then he, he gave recommendations of people to speak with. And then um, from there, each person, they, they knew other people to speak with. And we were trying to kind of, you know, get as much information as we can to interview people about this topic. And uh, as Nick said, we we had 400 hours. We interviewed so many people. And um, in the end, the, the people that made it into the film um, almost exclusively like worked directly with Adrienne or, or were closely um, tied, like really closely tied to the, the process. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it went. You just, you just gotta like tap into the underground community um, and, and once you're there, these people know a lot. They, they're very experienced. They've been working with, yeah. you know, psychedelics therapeutically for, for a long time. And they've been helping a lot of people. And uh, an, another fortunate thing is, like, we found a few of them that were willing to w work with us and specifically with Adrienne. And then also be a part of the documentary that we had already begun filming, which really, at the end of the day, the reason that Nick and I did it. I mean, Nick and I were talking about doing a different documentary idea. And then when the whole psychedelic thing happened, um, you know, we, we just threw that idea in. And then when Adrienne was like, well, I'd like to try magic mushrooms. It was kind of like, Oh, like, should we film this? Maybe it could be helpful for people if it works. Mm -hmm. And he said, sure. 
and obviously we had more conversation about that and how that would look and and uh, you know just the main thing there was making sure that the primary goal was her recovery and and not just making a film and um <clears throat> because of that there were there were many times throughout that we actually almost stopped filming because uh because it was a uh, it wasn't an easy journey and and recovery for people in many cases is not easy and filming can get in the way it can be distracting so this goes back to what nick was saying about um you know there's many long nights and sort of stressful conversations about like what what is the best way to to do things and yeah you know, thankfully adrian was courageous and even when we stopped filming for a bit and just kind of like chill out for a while and then, then you know we'd get back to things and she she wanted to obviously like complete the journey for herself and then also um again like if it worked knowing that there would be a an important message just to show people that this is possible <clears throat> yeah in a very raw and uh emotional way i i loved your the connection that you guys had during the the film obviously you were like out of the out of the camera most of the time but there were you know there were some interactions and you could just see how yeah how raw how really raw uh, it, it was and, and feeling like how she must have felt having the cameras there on her the whole time i was i was very sympathetic to her to her pain really and i and i thought that i assumed that you guys must have had a good relationship because if you were just say uh <laughs> some random documentary makers that i didn't know her and you were just following her around all the time and it could have been it probably was invasive anyway but it could have been even more invasive and really not um actually had probably a detrimental effect but i imagine because you guys had a close relationship with her that really you know it worked yeah i'd say so and um you know, definitely uh, working the camera. Um, I felt like, you know, a little uncomfortable sometimes when she's going through these moments and I've got yeah. this camera, I just like mm, <laughs> right in her face, right? Um, so um, certainly it was prudent and like necessary for us to take a step back, check in with her all the time. Are you okay to continue? Do you need space? Do you need to be alone? And certainly like, as you saw in the film on the first moment when she takes mushrooms it's not until we leave like with the cameras that she sort of has her breakthrough and then mm -hmm. tells us about it when we come back so yeah. we do need a little bit of space away from the machines uh, i think in order to have a proper psychedelic experience are you um uh, nick have you experienced mushrooms and psychedelics before as well yeah so so i like um i had uh went to a party and i had taken mushrooms before um, okay. And I, I had all my friends are kind of laughing and, and talking about these trippy things that they're seeing. And I was kind of sort of there on the surface, but I was like mm -hmm. going inward a little bit. And I was thinking like, what do I want to do in the next five years of my life? What do I want to do in the next <laughs> 10 years? Do I want to be in such and such a relationship? Do I want to, uh, do I like such and such friend group? Like these sorts of important things, right? Do I work out enough, right? It's like, it, it's like Paul Stamets says in our film that they make you want to be a better person. These psychedelic experiences, they make you just seek to be better than you were before. And so those were the kind of thoughts that I was having in my mind. So um, when I start with this like explosion of media about the benefits of psychedelics for uh, therapeutic purposes started to come out and I started to catch wind of it like everyone else was, I'd never heard of that before. I didn't know about the long history 
Um, you thought of just recreational use. That was all you did. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about it, but but I thought mm-hmm. like, oh, that makes sense because I remembered that experience. And now subsequent to this filming, um, you know, I've done uh, big doses of mushrooms. I did a nine gram dose. Uh, uh, I did a six gram oh. dose. And, uh, you know, um, personally for me, although, you know, we always, we always say like, we don't, we don't recommend necessarily someone's going to do this by themselves. Right. I did do that. And uh, for me, it was uh, a, a very beneficial sort of part of working through like a personal issue that I had. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm definitely a supporter of becoming an, an accidental advocate for, for psychedelics and what they can do to bring up the best out of people if they're used properly and safely. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that, it's documentaries like this, which is really important to bring attention to the positive aspects and the potential because now, and with things like that, it gives, it brings it to the masses and then that gives more attention, which in turn will eventually, I hope, result in more research being done into, yeah, into actually proving that there are benefits. Yeah. yeah I mean, and sometimes. you know, we, we know anecdotally that there are, and mm-hmm. we also know from all of this research that's been done by, um, you know, John Hopkins and uh, Imperial college London and places like that. We know that they're showing these, this great efficacy for, um, the benefits for like treatment resistant depression and end of life anxiety, uh, things like that. Um, and also, you know, I don't personally even, I, I don't, um, identify as depressed or, having a history of depression or anxiety or anything like that. And I found that to be extremely beneficial for my own life. So I think uh, we can't forget that people that maybe feel well generally can feel better um, with using these medicines. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Were there any points when you guys were making it that, that she really wanted to back out of it or, you know, um, um, and, or was it more because you said before that there were parts where you thought maybe we shouldn't be doing this now? Yeah, did it happen with her? Yeah, I don't know if she wanted to like back out necessarily, but um, you know, in in on on the journey, I think it, there were a couple hospital visits, but there was one in particular that's in the documentary, and um, you know, it's like it, it was just like a challenging time. Um, and it seemed like at that point that, you know, it, it could have been the end of the journey with psychedelics. So, um, you know, from a filmmaking perspective and, and trying to make a documentary that would be helpful for people, um, you know, we're kind of like, well, if that's the end of it, then like it, it still helped. It still got her like way, way lower mm-hmm. on opioids, um, like to, towards getting off of them. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't complete in the sense. And, and maybe, like, in a certain sense, like, the journey's never complete with sobriety and, and recovery and mental health. Um, you know, it's an ongoing process that involves a lot more than psychedelics. You know, you need good, positive, um, you know, like, hobbies and activities and community and all of those things. But, like, that was the moment, I would say, that we, we really thought that it might have been done. And we just didn't film for about a week. Um, we, we obviously like stayed in touch, but you know, she didn't, she wasn't doing any psychedelics or anything like that. It was just time to, to just chill out and, um, and see like what, what is going to happen. And then all of a sudden it was like one day, just like, she's going back to do, uh, the, the follow-up treatment to, to finish the journey in a sense, like for herself and yeah. she, she welcomed, you know, the cameras back with, 
with open arms to uh, ensure that, you know, like the, the document, documentate, excuse me, the documentation uh, is, is also there. Yes. Yeah. If that makes sense. So it's tricky. I mean, when you're dealing with somebody's life and personal, um, you know, very raw personal journey. Um, I think, I think it's just like, what's the way to put it? It's, it's, I guess like the long short of it, it's not, not recommended, I guess. Right. Like it's no. not typically something that people want to go through. We had a lot of discussions about it though. And uh, in the end, you know, we, we think that uh, Adrienne is very courageous for letting the world see her journey. And if, if one person's journey, everybody's journey is going to be different. And, um, you know, and, and hopefully in some ways other people's journeys will be easier because they'll sort of see what Adrienne went through. They'll see some of the potential challenges and, you know, like when you, when you move forward and, um, you know, with, with, with the goal of recovery, um, I, again, as I said, it's about that integration before and after the more that you do, the, the better and the easier the psychedelics, uh, themselves will be. Were you helping with, um, with the other aspects? So finding, you know, making sure that there was uh, therapy or, uh, people, you know, people to speak to and, and, uh, a support network outside of the, um, the psychedelics themselves, or was that, was that her doing mainly? Um, she was doing that. Yeah. She, she's obviously like very smart and capable. So she, she yeah. was doing that. She was, um, doing like float tank, uh, sensory deprivation nice. therapy. Um, she was doing some yeah. yoga and, uh, a few other things, but it came down to the, the most simple things. Like when she was in active addiction and using, um, you know, she'd make plans with her friends or family and then she'd always cancel the plans. And, um, and this was a consistent thing, like she literally said she would always cancel the plan. So she have, have something that's supposed to happen and then figure out an excuse that she didn't have to go. And then obviously she probably just, you know, use and, or just be depressed. And, the after the first mushroom trip, um, that started to change immediately. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. That was the really interesting thing about this is that, um, you know, for her, mushrooms gave her this sort of initiative, like it was a catalyst for her to have the energy to start tackling the problem of how is she going to well, like sort of overcome these obstacles in her life. But she still had the opioid addiction. She was still physically dependent on using that was opioids a huge every problem, day. And so, um, you know, she's, she's on uh, methadone, which is mm -hmm. the, you know, country sponsored opiate replacement therapy program. You have to go to the pharmacy every day and you have to get your opioids and they make you feel sick and nauseous and stuff like that. Right. And tired and just like generally crummy. And then as well on top of that, um, you know, there's the, the, the need to, to take actual like heroin in order to, you know, sort of, uh, to feel normal, really feel the normal and also yeah. mask the pain of whatever she was going through. And so, um, it, it was more simple. It was more difficult, I should say, than just being able to take uh, a dose of mushrooms. Uh, Tyler was saying earlier, oh, maybe some people will have an easier journey than her. Like, yeah, actually, you hear all the time, and we talk to people all the time, that you know, just maybe one dose of mushrooms is, is something that really changed their life for the better, and they maybe didn't even need another one. Or maybe some people need one every once mm -hmm. in a while, like once a year, then you kind of pick-me-up. Kind of 
I know people that microdosed once and stopped being suicidal, right? Um, but got to rewire your neural pathways, right? And and everyone's sure. wiring is going to be different. So it, yeah, and and like this 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 uh, journey that Adrienne took was was much more complicated because of many years of, of opioid mm-hmm. addiction. She was on a lot of heroin, like it a was lot. Like a, like I I can't remember exactly in the film, but at some point I remember um, you guys mentioned that it was enough to kill a few people. Like what her dose was. Well, you know. In a, in a line that didn't end up in the film, uh, Gabor Mate said that she was on an uphill horse, <laughs> which is uh, which is true. Um, that's, and and to go from that, to, uh, especially if you've been doing that for so long, I mean, it, any any habit is difficult to break, but when it's such a uh, a consuming habit that dictates your whole life, I mean, yeah, it must must be horrendous. And then you've got yeah. to relearn everything, you know, all of all of the relationships and all of everything that's changed due to the effects of the drug addiction. So then, kind of like relearn all of those again. Must yeah, yeah. The, you know, people burn bridges, unfortunately, when they're mm-hmm. um, addicted to drugs and uh, and and they don't have a coping mechanism of how to deal with everyday situations in life without the drugs. And so, when you take the drugs away, all of those things can be repaired. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you guys made this, uh, had you done? Had you had any experience making documentaries before, or were you just like in at the deep end? Um, I made a few documentaries and worked worked on a few others that didn't really make it to you know to a completed state, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> and Nick. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'd like done some videography and some, uh, um, you know, working on some other creative projects, and was just like sort of in the process of changing my life towards uh, moving into documentaries specifically. And and you know, Tyler, I've known I've known Tyler for ten years or like maybe twelve years now. He was on my ex wife's softball team, and we never imagined that we'd make a film together. But that's how you met. Yeah, yeah. And at a, cer- at a certain point, uh, he was just asking me, like, what I was, what was I doing today? And I said, you know, I don't want to do this social thing. He invited me to, like, I'm busy. Like, I want to make yeah. a movie, right? And he's like, well, okay, well, let's talk. That's, yeah. that's careful what you ask crazy. for. <laughs> three, three years of uh, working, you know, every seven time, days a week, twelve yeah. hours a day. Every time I yeah. do a, a documentary, I, I say that I'm not going to do another one. Yeah. Because it's just totally ridiculous and, and many in many different ways, but cha- challenging in itself. And this one was uh, extremely um, time consuming and challenging. It, it, it overtook like my and Nick's life completely. I can only uh, imagine. The editing process, going through the footage and putting the, the story together. And it's like we were editing while the it was almost in a way it was still happening. Like it's like, we still didn't know how it was going to end in a sense. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, there's an update in the film. I don't know if we're getting into the spoiler alerts, but uh, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Uh, cover your ears if you're watching, but spoiler alert in the film uh, is how Adrienne is doing. Uh, how she's doing today is, you know, she's almost two and a half years sober now. Um, and, you know, she's doing very well. And, um, you know, working, volunteering, uh, you know, she's helping people in this space as well. Um, 
and uh, yeah, she's looking at going back to school to, um, you know, get her master's in counseling or psychology, I can't remember, and um, that, that would like sort of set up her to be able to help um, on like the legal side of things. Um, okay. Because because in Canada, the U.S., and other other places around the world, like there's there's FDA trials um, in ongoing for um, psilocybin, using, right? With at the moment. Well, the yeah, psilocybin is. I think they got fast tracked to like phase three, so okay. that potentially could be legal for therapeutic use by in the next year or two, maybe two or three years. And MDMA is probably going to be. Um, legal for therapeutic use before that and that that's they use MDMA um, for treating PTSD and yes. extremely good results and that's through MAPS and MAPS Canada that one there's a there's quite a large movement for it you know based I'm in the Netherlands right now and yeah I think uh, yeah, the other there's a large movement for at least for the therapeutic use and possibly, you know, a, a change in the law regarding, regarding these important substances, these compounds, uh, that I've speak to a lot of people who, who work in this and it's really difficult because they are guys who essentially are breaking the law every day to help people. Like there are psychologists and, uh, you know, uh, psychoanalysts and therapists who, who are risking their licenses, risking going to jail to help, people because they believe or they know that this is way more productive and way more beneficial than you know the traditional way of dealing with things well, yeah um, they, they say that uh like one one dose of magic mushrooms with uh you know the right support in the and the right mindset going in and and you know the right dose is um uh equal to about 10 or 20 years of talk therapy that's what I was going to say. So it's like, imagine if you're a therapist or a counselor and you're just like, oh, I just want to use the better yeah. um, tool oh. as, uh, in conjunction with the psychotherapy, right? Yeah. To be very, you know, especially when people are suffering and they could die, like Adrienne was taking fentanyl-laced heroin every day. She could have an overdose any day. And so imagine knowing that this is possible, this substance is possible, but like, oh, can't give it to her because it's illegal for some reason. It's absolutely (laughs) the reason it's so funny. It's like, who makes the rules? It's like, is it just a a bunch of old people that just, they they just think like, you know, people are partying on these drugs. They're like wrapped up in, in the war on drug and the stigma. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of them are probably getting um, political contributions and stuff like that from pharmaceutical companies. And, pharmaceutical medication generally makes a lot of money because people have to use it for years and years, if not the rest of their life. And um, unfortunately, as we've seen with mental health issues getting worse, not better, the pharmaceutical medications for most people don't work well. For those who do, that's great. And so that should be an option, as should abstinence only, like AA and other groups like that. But like, adding in the psychedelics i just can't believe that it hasn't happened yet and and how long it takes to change um you know like like the mind of people and it seems like there's a bit of corruption involved that uh, for sure 
I've been uh, in and out of meetings actually today in the past few days with um, various people uh, who have been discussing this um, and not, not even just for the psychedelics, but um, around pharmaceuticals in general. And uh, one of the things that I was, uh, was told that it's very difficult to patent certain uh, compounds. So there's not really interest unless they can get a direct patent um, on, for example, you know, they can't, they can't patent or patent. I'm not sure um, what you got, how you guys say it. <laughs> Uh -huh. Yes, I understand. Um, yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, they they can't get a patent uh, on um, psilocybin, so there's no you know there's no real interest in it. Um, and they want to they want to get that on certain molecules. And if those molecules are already you know established and or banned, and there's no way around that, then there's not really much financial incentive. Um, and then also there's the whole treatment you know continuous treatment rather than cure. So you know it's better to you know, you, you make a lot more money having somebody on pills that they take for, for the rest of their life than, than giving somebody something that possibly you give them once along with therapy and then they never take it again. Well, there are companies uh, trying to patent uh, psilocybin, the synthesized molecule, in conjunction really? with um, a certain type of therapy. So it's like, you know, this molecule with this therapy for this um, um, problem like depression or whatever. And so there's like kind of a bit of an uproar right now amongst the different companies that are creating so, uh, synthesized psilocybin mm -hmm. for future use when it becomes legal. Yeah. There's sort of like a bit of a controversy there about whether or not that will be allowed legally or not. It's, it's quite interesting what everything, how everything's sort of shaking up as we move towards, I think, eventual legalization. I, I, I think it's going to happen. And then it's just a matter of how it happens that we'll have to be keeping an eye on. Have you found that since making the documentary, you are more involved um, uh, like in the psychedelics movement as such? I yeah. mean, from, from nothing at all to <laughs> quite, <laughs> uh, you know, quite involved for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, we've got some things that we're working on. Okay. I was, um, yeah. I was, I was actually speaking at city hall. Um, let's see. I guess it would have been late last year. Um, they were talking about actually increasing policing and enforcement of, um, you know, possession and uh, I guess selling of magic mushrooms. So psilocybin. Yeah. And um, of course, when we, when we in the community heard about this, um, a bunch of us went to city hall. I think there was about 20, 25 people speaking about why they shouldn't do that. And um, it was literally every single person that spoke was um, against the motion to increase policing. And of course, they were in favor of decriminalization, decriminalizing all drugs, actual legal therapeutic use. And there were people that had personal stories about how magic mushrooms were the only thing that helped them um, if not cure, at least, you know, really reduce the severity of cluster headaches or mm -hmm. uh, suicide headaches, as they're called. So this is a condition where, you know, that happens periodically for people and like magic mushrooms is the only thing that would help them. So why should they have to worry about going to jail because they don't want to have this headache that, you know, you know, just like is ruining their life um, periodically for many days, um, excru excruciating pain and, and all sorts of other examples as well. And, you know, uh, of course, I was up there just mentioning right. uh, how, 
magic mushrooms and uh, helped Adrienne and, um, you know, that we documented the whole thing. And then, uh, yeah, actually a couple of city councillors came to uh, one of our screenings in Vancouver, um, I'd say a few weeks after that. Um, Brilliant. And so that, that was kind of, uh, kind of interesting and cool. So they're, they're interested. They're just, there's just one person there that was trying to put this through, but it's just because she didn't like the guy that uh, puts on 420 in Vancouver. They're okay. always cutting heads over cannabis law for years. <laughs> so she was trying to punish him, I think, and everybody else inadvertently. Would that and I don't, and I don't think you or? can tell that story. Sorry, sorry for interrupting, okay. but I don't think you can tell that story without, we just have to share that the counselor that had um, initiated this motion to try to do this had cited all sorts of crazy like stats, but they were like not even real. It was like crazy assertions like that people were injecting psilocybin into their veins and oh stuff like that. God. And anybody who knows anything about the topic or about <laughs> is like, nobody's doing that at all. It's, where is this coming from? It was bizarre. It was like bizarre world. It was really weird. Huge waste of everybody's time. But we won that little motion. It did not go through. So Brilliant. yes, we're, we're now for sure, big time. We are also working on uh, a project where you know, uh, hopefully in in the near future, like when it's legally allowed, um, you know, there there'll be like you know clinics where people can go and and have these experience in a controlled environment. So uh, yeah, Nick and I are working with that. We're we're gonna have like you know. Uh, updates about that on our website, dosing.com, periodically um, as, as things start to unfold. Yeah. At this, um, the thing with the councillors, were there members of the police force there? Did you get a chance to speak to them and find out what they think? Um, I can't remember if there was any police officers there. I mean, there's definitely like police security, but they weren't speaking, were they now? No, I don't recall that there were police officers there, no. Okay, uh, like, because I've started to see, you know, there's quite a few movements appearing with younger police officers who are kind of moving um, to promote the legalization, decriminalization well, of drugs. We had a, we had a, um, a screening in uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is in Canada. And there was actually like a poli an active police officer speaking on the panel after the screening. Brilliant. Uh, and, and so somebody approached us and said, you know, does this person, would this person be a good fit? And I was thinking like, I don't know, does he know what the movie's about? <laughs> it's an illegal <laughs> drugs. Is he, can, what is he going to say about this? Is he gonna he's going to arrest not? you guys after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they said, no, he's cool. He's cool. He'll, you know, he, he agrees with these um, ideas. So yeah, I guess some, some police officers uh, for sure are aware of, you know, the, the fact that this is out there as a solution. Policing, policing mental health issues is a really, really dumb approach. Yes. It's a waste of time and money. Uh, you're just punishing people in a weird way. You're punishing um, both people as well. Please. Help. Yeah, sure. And like, it's wow. just a waste of time, right? Yeah. I mean, police have so many other important issues. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that really are actual police matters. And then if you're going and like shaking someone down for a bag of mushrooms, uh, maybe they just picked them too in the wild, right? Like <laughs> things grow everywhere. Um, of course, be careful. There are the, uh, you know, the dangerous lookalike mushrooms. So like, 
you know, we, we've never actually uh, picked them ourselves personally. We tried it once, thought we found a bunch, did a spore print, it came out the wrong color. We're like, oh, this is actually the poisonous lookalike. And so we just chucked them all. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of mushrooms just like into the bush. <laughs> we thought we found this. Stuff. Yeah, it was really funny. It seemed it was so satisfying to be like, oh, this is so nice. You're picking them from the ground. And then it's like, that's not the one. It's like not worth even risking it. No, uh, you could eat one and it could be deadly, right? If oh, it's a yeah, really wrong one. Destroy your liver and stuff. That, that's yeah. actually the number one danger with magic mushrooms. They're, they're considered to be the safest of all drugs. Yes. With alcohol being the most dangerous by far and mm -hmm. then things like heroin cocaine crack and all, all those other ones and then it's like there's cannabis and lsd and then mushrooms are, well. yeah mushrooms mm -hmm. at the very bottom are the safest but one of the the biggest dangers of them is just if you go and try to pick them and you mm -hmm. pick the wrong one and then you get poisoned so. I think uh, Professor Nutt uh, from Imperial said that, well, the thing, one of the things that got him fired from the government panel, in, I'm not sure if you have heard of his story? I'm somewhat familiar with that. I know that. He, he, yeah. was, the, um, he was appointed as the head of, I think it's the Misuse of Drugs Council, um, yeah. which it was the official advisory board for the, for the UK to advise the government on drugs law and on changes to the drugs law. So he, he didn't just say things should be legalized. This should be this. He would do studies into things and come back. This is really dangerous. This is not. And then when he did, uh, when he came back to them and said, well, actually I've discovered that uh, magic mushrooms and ecstasy or MDMA, um, is actually safer than horse riding. Um, that was the comparison that he made. You know, you're more likely to die when, um, from in a horse riding accident than you are, um, yeah, with taking mushrooms and ecstasy yeah. and, and then the thing of the mushrooms is from the wrong picking even so that's the, that was what makes it dangerous but that got yeah. him fired so even though he was hired to give them advice and not be politically uh you know biased they still fired him for that because it didn't fit their political agenda mm -hmm. yeah it's, that's the problem is political agendas the war mm -hmm. on drugs is is the biggest sort of failure ever the amount of money that goes into that and like everybody can get drugs anywhere in the world any kind pretty much yep you know, all all over and and uh, they're all illegal and it doesn't make any difference really so mm -hmm. if they were if they were legalized and controlled by the government there'd be less overdoses from um you know, sort of the mystery drugs when, when mm -hmm. you're talking about the hard drugs like cocaine and, and heroin, for example, people in Vancouver and cities around North America and probably Europe, I'm not sure you'd, you'd have to tell me, but they're, they're dying from fentanyl overdoses all the time. Mm -hmm. And the cost of just fighting the opioid crisis in the United States each year is $500 billion. So if government wanted to save money and just do some policy change, you know, they, they could, even if they just took a small percentage of that and like kickstarted a fast track, uh, some, some more clinical trials, like fast track them. So like, for example, for Ibogaine, yes. and, uh, which is, is one of the best um, kinds of psychedelics for opioid addiction. But anyway, the long and short of it is they, they need to just reallocate resources. It's, it's a mental health issue. You know, it's not helping somebody, a drug addict, to like throw them in, in jail or, or any kind of rehab without um, 
better care. And uh, obviously the psychedelic experiences can shift somebody's perspective completely um, towards a positive path instead of a negative destructive path. And uh, if, if people don't know already, like psychedelics are not addictive. So yeah, not people so. might do them once in a while, um, but really you could do them once or twice and that could be enough for your entire life. And uh, you know, you could do it maybe once every few months or once every year, just depending on exactly what you're going through. And like, that's, that should be celebrated compared to, for example, using heroin every single day or being on antidepressants or getting every drunk day. every day yeah. or what? Or getting drunk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, alcoholism is huge. And of course that's legal. So that that's one that is legal and it is the most destructive. So go figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I think you, uh, you said something a few minutes ago about older people in power. And I think that is very true that there's a generation well, we've got a few generations that are misinformed because there are that you know even when I was in school and I'm sure like when you guys were in school like you know that drug education was really yeah misleading and was fear -based. cracking an egg into a frying pan. It's like <laughs> did you see that one? We had this one where they uh, they crack they say this is your brain and they hold up an egg and then they crack it into a frying pan and they say this is your brain on drugs. That was no like, that was like a big scare and then there's all the. With psychedelics specifically, there's all the sort of urban myths of like, oh, they're going to make you go crazy. Jump like, out of a window. Everyone knows somebody who yeah, jumped out of a window because they thought they could fly. Right. <laughs> somebody said something. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, it was one of the, one of the guys. I don't want to, it was like, it was somebody like Rick Doblin when we we're talking about, I don't think it was Rick, um, but somebody like that. They said, why would you, if you think you could fly, why would you jump out of a window? Why wouldn't you just start from the ground? Exactly. You, just, you, you <laughs> fly from the ground. It's like, oh, you can't. But I mean, I, psychedelics aren't for everybody. No. You know, so people definitely need to be careful and respect them. And, and you know, if there's certain mental illness that run in your family, it, it, there's cautionary tales and, and you know but it's all very understudied as well and uh certain certain diagnoses often are, are like misdiagnoses from doctors who who have said somebody's for example bipolar give them medication but they they never were bipolar they were just going mm -hmm. through something in their life and instead of dealing with it they started getting medicated and that can go on for years and the yeah. side effects from that pill makes them get on another one and the side effects from that one, then they're on another one. Next thing you know, they're on like six different medications. Oh. Yeah, that's the, the thing about all these medications and all, all these other drugs is really, is really like when you stop taking them, your body is physically dependent on it and you need to take them again to feel better. And even though they're making you feel worse, you feel better in the short term by taking mm -hmm. them. That's not the case with something like uh, psilocybin. Yeah. You don't have any physical withdrawal component, and that's partially why they're not addictive, as Tyler was mentioning. And the other thing is they're not addictive because people don't want to have like emotional, uh, exhausting journeys every day, right? Like, oh, when, God, when imagine I did, tripping constantly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, you know, you, that would be a form of like psychological torture. You yes, should, totally. You shouldn't do too many psychedelics all in a short period of time. Like, and you, but you don't want to. 
I don't know anybody that wants to. I know a few people, I've got to be honest. <laughs> I've definitely met somebody that does too many psychedelics just because mm -hmm. I don't know why. And it, it gets you really weird. It, it really does. You shouldn't do it all the time. You need yes. to be in tune with actual reality. It's good to go outside of reality, you know, periodically to look at things a different way, to change your perspectives, uh, you know, but then like, let's go back to reality and let's live in the real world for a substantial period of time before doing that again. Yeah, I think the, uh, the ceremonial aspect is quite important to, you know, like you're saying, respecting it as not just as something to just take and get fucked up with, but like the set, the setting, you know, having, making sure, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody has to have uh, some ancient ritual, but when, when they're doing it, but still having that respect for this powerful thing. And it's not just, I'm not just here to, you know, get smashed and go crazy. I'm here as an, as a journey, as an experience to learn something and grow from it really. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, yeah. And that's, that's where I think people get this like, oh, I had a bad trip on mushrooms once yeah. and never did them again type of thing. Uh, that, that, that's a common story and that's fine, but that's probably somebody just like, nobody's bringing scales to parties or rock concerts or music festivals. So somebody probably just like, some people will take like a little, a little mushroom and, and that's, you know, but other people are like, take a handful. They don't know how much yeah. it is. So all of a sudden they're on a heroic dose amount, like yes. five plus grams and they are not well supported for what can come up and so they they go and cower in the corner and cry while everybody's enjoying the music festival and that's a bad time because they're fighting it the whole time they don't want to do that they didn't take it for that reason um but if you it take can that be amount overwhelming and you if you take that amount and you go in with intentions and you know that it would be probably weird if you don't cry because feelings and cathartic feelings and stress relief come up more often than not almost all the time mm -hmm. um then then so long as you know what you're getting yourself into the, the right set setting and dose then i think it's it's fine it's a tool in the tool belt like we we tyler and i went to a um a group um session of psilocybin with um you know ritual and um, you know, maybe 20 people there. And, and I think maybe 19 people said it was one of the more profound and, and, and meaningful and important things they'd ever done. And one person was like, I don't know, I didn't really like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so it's like, that's a really good ratio. And um, yeah, not everyone's, it's not going to be for everyone, but it's going to be for a lot of people. Was this, you guys went there to partake or was this a filming? To partake, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we we were so, so, so unbelievably stressed out editing the film and going through the the process after, um, you know, and just really long hours and no self-care, long, like seven mm -hmm. days a week, 12 plus hours a day, no, no activities, like kind of missing out on like friend group stuff. Um, uh, more often than we should. So yeah, it was just, it was just like a really stressful time. And then, uh, one of the people in the community invited us and we're kind of like, Oh, like we don't have time, but it's like, we knew we, we knew we probably should. And, and also like, that would be my first time in a sort of like the group, uh, do, doing them in like a big group. And I kind of wanted to see what that was like. Were you worried? What's that? Were you worried? No, 
No, not, not worried. I knew, I knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, although like don't have expectations, but like, I just, I just kind of knew, um, like for myself that it was going to be a, a very like cathartic experience and something that I needed just to like reset. And, uh, yeah, it's like a huge stress relief. Um, I'm always a little apprehensive before I do psychedelics. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I don't yeah. want to do this. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's a big I, commitment, right? And it's a lot. Yeah. It's like yeah. a full day of emotions and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, the group thing was, uh, it was all good. It was interesting. You know, you make kind of like nice connections with people that you otherwise wouldn't really talk to on a day to day passing by. Um, cool. and everybody's there for a variety of different reasons. And, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously like whatever they got out of it is, is what they needed that, that day. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, um, how were your families about you making this whole documentary? Were, were they supportive of it? Uh, what did they think you were crazy? And yeah. I, my parents are incredibly supportive. Um, I awesome. did have a salt spring. Um, we did have a screening in my hometown and uh, my grandma came and uh, I was just kind of <laughs> a little <Whoa>. bit awkward. <laughs> but she, she says, oh, I've never seen a movie at all like this, but it was really good. <laughs> oh, so, brilliant. Yeah, um, uh, maybe she's got some sort of history, but I don't think she's ever tried it from what she says. So it seemed like it was an eye-opener from her that I think she expected. Was I think she before she, the she singing stairs or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, okay. well, my parents definitely took psychedelics. Uh, yeah. Uh, my, my grandma, not so much. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My, my family is also supportive. Um, and my mom has like, you know, she's got her story from the sixties, like, you know, without LSD and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I want her to do a, a higher dose of mushrooms. Um, like maybe with, me and nice. my siblings or something i thought i thought that could be like a very uh interesting and nice experience um yeah but she's kind of like doesn't really want to so that's fine yeah whatever okay do you think um have you guys got plans to do more documentaries after this or was this was this enough for you because <laughs> I mean like obviously you enjoyed it and it must be amazingly fulfilling but 12 hours a day seven days a week for three years must like take it out of you so. well this was such a you know this was such a grassroots thing mm-hmm. that we meet like Tyler and I like put our own finances into this uh, we, put, uh-huh. we we didn't have backing like it wasn't until later on down the track that we were able to uh, you know, raise money from, from people that were, you know, generously supporting us and, you know, get proper distribution and get things like articles from major publications, like writing about us and stuff. So I, I would hope that, you know, we can maybe do another film that doesn't, begin, that doesn't begin so humbly and yes. maybe we have more support and backing um, from the beginning. And that sounds like a good idea to me. Well, I guess yeah, you've, it's been a learning curve, right? So... Now you kind of know how to do it. Probably. Well, we got we got um, kind of like trapped immediately in in the filming process it, because we had the means to go and like film Adrian once, right? 
And I remember very specifically saying to Nick that we'll probably only film once or twice and then we'll like move back to a different topic with respect to documentaries. And then there'd be the whole other thing is like, oh man, like how can Adrienne get the help she needs because she's been trapped in a failed medical system for so long. Yeah, Nothing has been working and she had tried everything else. Um, but what, what had happened was it actually worked, right? The first time she took mushrooms, she had a profound change in perspective and um, wasn't feeling suicidal and depressed. Um, there's still other issues that, as you'd see in the film, we had to overcome, she had to overcome, but um, just lost my train of thought here a little bit, but what was I trying to say? about how what we're saying about doing doing the um a different film and and uh how you kind of I, I know it, I know I know what you're trying to say yeah you were, you were saying that um uh, we weren't able to look for funding um that yeah. we would normally have gone through the Canadian that, government that's the point I was trying to make yeah, yeah. so so typically you you put together you'd film you'd film that much like an interview and the thing and and then, you know, you put together like a little demo and then uh -huh. you pitch that to some networks or broadcasters. And then, you know, you get a, uh -huh. uh, a broadcast license and you'd apply for grants and funding. And like that all takes many, many, many months. The problem with this particular story was that Adrienne didn't have many, many, many months, right? She's using um, fentanyl-laced street drugs every day that she could overdose on and she's really trapped in this broken system. Um, so yeah, Nick and I started out humbly and, and independently, just like totally self-funded for several months until we were lucky enough to get into a position where we could cut a nice trailer and put something out in the world. And, uh, and, you know, we got a lot of support and that allowed us to then pay for, um, you know, a whole bunch of other things that go along with the territory, um, you know, and including, you know, like the editing process as well. Like we quit our day jobs. Um, so we kind of had day jobs and then, yeah, we, we quit as, as this film consumed our lives and, you know, we're doing like two, three day jobs all on this film at the same time. So it's if we do another one, crazy. In the future, it would be, it would be great, but we need to do one where we don't like get trapped and like go down that path again. We need to do one where we can plan it out um, properly and like get the funding and uh, a, a bigger team as well in place so that like we can, um, obviously we'll work hard as we do, but, you know, we'll have a better balance and there'll be a bigger team to, uh, mm -hmm. like take on some of the other jobs because we, we really did a lot. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know in hindsight, I guess now, now that we've come through it all, like, I don't know, I wouldn't have it any other way, but like cool. the next one is just like, Ooh, I don't know if I have another one of those in, me, but mm -hmm. we can do it better. Well, uh, I'm guessing you've probably built up enough uh contacts and you've had enough uh you know, well, it's got enough exposure now that you could get the it would be a lot easier for you to get the grants and get the funding and get everything that you need rather than having to do it from scratch just just yeah. essentially off the back of this this film yeah i feel like we'd have a strong chance at that i mean obviously you gotta still come with a, a good idea and yeah. uh you know nice demo if you can cut that as opposed to just like a, a pitch um yeah. like a one sheet or something but yeah for sure and have you got plans to put get it on any uh like streaming channels or anything like that at the moment we sure do um it is being 
like closed captioned and subtitled into a couple different languages right now. And hopefully there'll be more to come. Cool. And um, it is available to rent or purchase on Vimeo. And that's directly on our website, uh, linked on our website at dosedmovie.com. But uh, hopefully in the next See, I honestly, everything with COVID is so backed up. So I don't know how long it's going to take, yeah. but we hope that there'll be more platforms in the near future from iTunes and Google play. And then, uh, you know, maybe even down the road, um, you know, like somewhere Netflix like, or something. yeah. Um, but that, that could take many months. So mm-hmm. for now, for people who are interested, they can rent and watch it on uh, Vimeo on demand. Cool. Did the whole, uh, the, I'm guessing the whole COVID situation has affected uh, you guys because you were pretty much having it touring different cinemas. I mean, I, I let, really let me to- tell you, let me tell you, my friend, uh, we had, you know, hundreds of screenings uh, that were sold out around the world. It was, mm-hmm. it was incredible the amount of support that we received from people because there's so many people that need solutions for their yes. illness or their addiction. And there's so many people that know that this is something that works. So really it was uh, a film that spoke to, I think the people that are, um, you know, in this movement and curious about this movement. And um, uh, it, it, the, the strength of all of this sort of grassroots screenings that we set up ourselves actually got us traditional theatrical distribution. We were, we were all scheduled to, to start that in New York on March 20th with the distributor and then on March 15th, all the theaters, oh, <laughs> all no. the theaters closed. Shit. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and then, you know, a few days after that, I got COVID, I think. And so I was like, sit at home, uh, the theatrical tour canceled, got COVID. Oh. I'm just like, what is going no on way. with life right now, right? Oh. But uh, we, we, we just pivoted and we put it online um, because, you know, now more than ever, People mm-hmm. need a, a glimmer of hope about yeah. what might be a way for them to deal with the probably increased levels of anxiety and depression now mm-hmm. that and drug addiction and domestic violence and all the things that are going on that people are struggling with when they're stuck in quarantine. Yes, I think it's. I think we're going to be have a lot, a, a much higher damage and death toll uh, from indirect things than we than people ever expected i mean way more than like the virus itself could uh could could cause damage i think uh there's going to be long-term effects and damage on people yeah alcoholism is increased is increased massively from what i've read and yeah, the domestic violence yeah so, so something something like your film gives definitely gives a glimmer of hope which is great um so are you going to uh, get it? Uh, do you, will you plan on uh, doing theaters again, cinemas, uh, when this does lift? Are you, do you have redistribution again? The, there, there's already uh, a couple of theaters that have been talking about, um, you know, putting it back in. And cool. um, there's, there's a local one that wants to do that, um, you know, and we'll, we'll go there and do a Q&A. Obviously, we can't travel, but in some other cities, um, I think that, like the longest short of it is we don't really know, yeah. and we don't know how it'll look. Because let's say the theater's four hundred seats, well, they might only allow fifty people to go in, or maybe one hundred, mm-hmm. maybe two hundred. I don't know. And then who who is ready to go and sit down, um, 
you know, for an hour and a half, two hours or whatever with, uh, with people like how far away are they and how, yes. how great are they? How worried are they? Um, but obviously I guess it just depends on like each city and, and each country and cool. like which ones are handling the, the virus better than others. We definitely hope that, um, you know, things do return to a more normal where people can go enjoy group activities because humans are social creatures. Mm -hmm. Isolation and disconnection leads to mental health problems. For sure. It was already a problem and now everybody's being forced to not socialize. Um, There's probably a lot of people struggling with with issues. but yeah, um, we're definitely going to be coming back to like some theaters. Cool. Uh, we just don't know like exactly how it would look. We were going to screen in South Africa um, nice. before all of this. You know, I, I think it would be cool because we, we, as of yet, we don't have, we, we didn't have a screening in that continent um, or well, South Africa, the country, but like a- anywhere. In, in Africa as well. Yeah. 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 So it'd be cool to have one there. And we've, we've had some in Europe and the UK and Australia, um, not yet in New Zealand, but that was supposed to happen. And, uh, there was supposed to be a ton in the United States, um, based on this, after this New York city premiere. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully some of the theaters want to bring us back and maybe instead of for a week, maybe it'll be for a one-off. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting cause like people can go and rent it online and, and watch it. Um, but there's also an interesting element with our film is like when you go watch it in the theater, you get like a real sense of community and there's a lot of people that are kind of curious and experienced with psychedelics and how they can help people themselves, their friends, their family. And um, in almost every city that we've been to so far, there's been a talk, even if we can't be there personally, because we're not able to travel everywhere. Um, even even pre-COVID, we can't travel just because it's like time, the time and cost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we have uh, people that will, um, you know, will align with and, and you know, they'll do a Q&A afterwards and they'll talk with the audience about um, just psychedelics in general and, you know, how like what Adrian went through can apply to certain situations and, and all the other things to do with legalization and decriminalization and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. The Amsterdam one, I mean, the, the reaction, I, I can't remember a film that I've been to where at the end, everybody stands up and claps, which happened uh, you know, it's awesome. awesome. Actually, yeah, have everybody clapping and emotional, and then the Q and A was was you know was brilliant. Um, there was a guy actually, um, one of the people, Alexi Hoopley, um, kind of appropriate to this conversation. He spoke, and he is running a support don't punish, which is a campaign, and he works with um, a Leap, which is law enforcement uh, action partnership. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he's there really at the forefront of, of policy change and to have him up there, stood up there and a few other uh, yeah really really interesting people involved not just involved in psychedelics but involved in the research of psychedelics the law um, and the more traditional things of psychedelics it, yeah it was great to to have that after the film so people could ask questions it, yeah it was a really good experience yeah. but to hear yeah there's you know a uh, uh, clap uh, standing ovation or or just regular ovation after I, I think almost every single screening Amazing. which uh, really um, speaks to um, how people need solutions and answers mm-hmm. and they're excited that information is being like out uh, in sort of a, a more mainstream way yeah 
Well, you guys have done an absolute fantastic job with it. So you should be Thanks. super, super proud. Um, is there anything you want to uh, mention or anything before you, uh, we, we've passed an hour. I know we said we do about an hour and so it's already gone over. Um, I've oh, awesome time, but really enjoy talking to you. So, but yeah, yeah, if there's anything you, you want to, any, any other projects you want to plug or anything you want to, a message you want to put out there, feel free. Let me know. Just, yeah, just, um, you know, head to dosedmovie.com or you can rent the film and sign up for our mailing list where you'll hear about this other stuff that we're talking about, um, which um, as in terms of helping to bring psychedelics um, to, you know, medical clinics um, in the near future when things become legal. So yeah, just cool. that's it from me, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, I just like to say that uh, if anybody out there is watching this and you know, they're personally struggling or they know somebody who's struggling, people always ask us like, where can I access these services? And the unfortunate thing is that it is, uh, it is difficult because it's illegal. So, um, you know, most cities have psychedelic societies um, or decriminalized nature initiatives and that type of thing. And, you know, these are groups that can be found um, on like meetup or social media, Facebook, that type of thing. So like, just get involved with one of those places. Um, you know, it'll, it'll feel good to be a part of something and, uh, you know, to help out. And then also you're going to meet people that could probably better answer those questions from, a, you know, like a local perspective. And, and then, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of, you'll make your new friends and then, you know, that, that will lead to discussions that could potentially, uh, you know, lead you down the path that you're looking for. And I believe that there are also, um, it's more limited. It really depends on where you live, but you know, you can get microdoses generally. Um, and, and, uh, that's and then there's like the there's the retreats as well right so like if like when we're allowed to travel again um and if you have the means i, I believe there's retreats in jamaica jamaica the netherlands and then different substances like you know there's there's mushrooms but there's also ayahuasca and there's ibogaine and you know in mexico and south america and so you know, portugal as well they they actually um i believe they did they legalize or decriminalize decriminalized all, all drugs yeah. And so there's, um, you know, there are, are retreats there. So for people that are really serious, like you, you can look all of these places up online and, uh, and then just like reach out, reach out to a few, figure out which one makes the most sense. And then also just talk to your political leaders. It, you know, it's like, it's illegal and it's hard to get uh, access. But, you know, if people started sending emails to the right, um, you know, political person, uh, member of parliament, whatever, whatever it may be in your country or city, then, you know, they'll start to take notice. And then when it's time to do like a push towards decriminalization that they already, they're like, Oh wow. There's like, there's people that are very passionate and, and sort of supportive of this. And, and then maybe they'll be more inclined to make that happen. So. Yeah, and um, a lot of these resources that Tyler was talking about with respect to accessing psychedelics, microdosing, or otherwise, as well as different retreats and stuff, you can find out a lot about that um, on our website as well, dosemovie.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, guys. It's been Thank you. fantastic. And yeah, it's, it's been great. great. And 
yeah, I, w- I wish you the best of luck for for everything and continuing on your amazing journey with this film. Uh, it really, really is a, a wonderful film. So make sure anyone watching, please do, if you haven't seen it, check it out. And yeah, we'll stay in touch. Thanks so much for your support. Appreciate cool. it. Thanks, guys. Thank hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in then. We are Shifty Perspective. This was episode 11 and that was Nick and Tyler from Dose. So please make sure you check out their film, Dose Movie. Um, If you are interested, you can check out the Support Don't Punish campaign. And if you also would like to check out more information, please feel free to check out shiftyperspective.com where we will put links up to all of the sources that we've discussed in this film today. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Similar time. Similar Thank, time. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.